Hi lovely listeners, it's Lucy here and we are so delighted to have you on our Over Food Sake journey with us. We've been going for over two years now and we're over 100 episodes in. And we're really excited to connect with everybody and what we wanted to do was just remind you how much your voice matters and how much the community that we're building matters and your input uh, is what keeps this podcast going. It's what keeps it vibrant. It keeps what keeps it engaging. And it means that we can continue to give you content that you really want to hear. So we're on a mission to make Oh Food's Sake even better and really make sure that it's meeting your needs. And it's where, you know, you're getting the content that you want. So this is where you come in. So we have got a really short survey, like one, two minutes it's going to take you to fill in. It's in the show notes. We would love it if you would click on that and just answer a few short questions about what is going to help you and what burning questions you've got, any content that you would like to hear on the podcast. So please go and click on that link. Yeah, link in the show notes and we can't wait to hear your perspectives. To the O for Food's Sake podcast, where we unwrap the joys and struggles of working in the food industry so you can thrive in what you do best while sustaining a rewarding and fulfilling career or business. We are your hosts, Lucy Wager, food industry consultant, and Amy Wilkinson, food industry coach. We've worked in the food industry for the last 20 years, and we're here to share with you the benefit of our hindsight. Our podcast is for you to find new ways to cope with the daily struggles, but mostly to inspire you to work on what's not working to ultimately improve your career or business long term. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of O for Food's Sake. Today, we are welcoming a special guest, Neil Sykes, who is co-founder of Food for Innovations. Welcome, Neil. Thank you for having me. Hi, Neil. It's such a pleasure we're, to have you. We're, I'm just going to tell the listeners we're all giggling because I've <laughs> messed awesome. up this intro a few times. So we're all we're already in fits of giggles. So it's going to be a good conversation. So um, we met Neil um, on the MPD Fundamentals course. So we were introduced to him by his other co-founder and partner, Neil. Um, God, I'm getting everything wrong Simon today. Allison. Simon Allison, thank you. Um, and Neil came along to our MPD Fundamentals course and came to pretty much every Q&A that he could and added so much value as well as um, asking really great questions. So we just thought he was a brilliant person to get on the podcast. Yeah, we, we thought that Simon was brilliant and that I've worked with Simon before. We thought Simon was brilliant. And then we met Neil when he came on the MVP <gasps> Fundamentals course. I was we going to say, don't don't say he's better than Simon. Well, they're both <laughs> they're equally amazing. They're both brilliant. And we thought we have to have Neil on as well. It's in the next room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be careful. So, um, Neil, we always like to start the podcast with a bit of a, a background, a bit of a how you ended up doing what you're doing now, because um, you you food, you're not food industry background, but you are working with food businesses now. So go for it. Tell us about you know how you well, ended up. I, mean, I, th- I think I think people generally end up where they are by accident rather than mm-hmm. design a lot of the time. Um, so I remember I, I graduated from university and in 
Spanish and French many moons ago. And I just got a job in market research, just doing some consumer research over the telephone while I looked for another job. <laughs> anyway, I managed to stick that out in that the industry for 22 years. And I was like <laughs> in the right place at the right time when promotions came along. So I think a lot of it is opportunity and the rest is just tenacity. Mm. So um, I, uh, and I think research, I used to, I used to see results and stuff coming in and I got to thinking, well, why are people saying that? Because I don't think that. And, you know, then I start to think, well, those people are completely different in the way they have their opinions, their attitudes. And that really fired me up many um, years later, I think it was 2012, when I started uh, on a journey into NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, because that is the the study of subjective experience, the study of how I do what I do and get the results I do and how somebody else does what they do and get the results they do, what the differences are. And um, yeah, that and, and again, with the consumer research, marrying it to that, it kind of all started to make sense. Mm. Um, and um, with the NLP, um, afterwards, the, my, my fellow directors always used to say to me, oh, you're good with people. <laughs> you know, almost in inverted commas. Mm. You're mm-hmm. good with people, you. So, would you look after learning and development, any you know, training, cultural change, and stuff like that? Um, and so that's uh, that's kind of how I started, sort of like marry the NLP with the consumer research side of what I do. Um, and then, latterly, just as I was kind of leaving the research sector, um, the MD I had at the time. Uh, we were deciding, should I leave or should I, should, or, or should I stay? And we were having this conversation back and forth. Um, and I was kind of like 95% that I was going to go and do something for myself. And she said, do you know what? Because at the age you are, thanks, Jane, at the age you are, <laughs> she says, you're, you're, you, you've still got one more shout in you to do something uh, different that would be um absolutely yours whereas if you stick it with us a couple more years that might not be possible so that really tipped me over the edge Mm. Uh, and um so with simon we founded food for innovations um and that's kind of how we got to to where we are where we are today so a real it's really interesting actually because from my perspective as well because obviously I've kind of studied a bit of NLP you know coaching you do a lot of that kind of stuff as well um and my last role within the food industry was insight research you know Mm. all of that sort of stuff and actually I think if I look you know like you say it's all happened by accident and it kind of you, you end up on the path you'd like to say it was like some grand master plan but you end up on the path that you do but I think in hindsight if I'd known I'd have studied psychology 25 years ago not food science because it's that link isn't it it's the yeah. understanding people that you do in research is so similar to the whole coaching getting under under the skin of people and get uh, working out what what makes them tick Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's great. I think I, I perhaps would have gone into the psychology part earlier than, than I did as well. But, you know, saying that, I'm, I'm quite happy that I can, you know, yabber on in other languages as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I also think like that, because when we were all younger, psychology wasn't, it's much more widely available now to youngsters, isn't it, as well? Mm-hmm. So we, but it wasn't that. I mean, there were psychology degrees 
when I was young. Yeah, but you it would have just become a clinical psychologist yeah, or something, wouldn't it? It, it, it didn't feel like a yeah. relevant and, and path. You know, I suppose like neuroscience has come on, like our understanding mm. of humans and how we work and has come on so much, hasn't it, as well? Yeah. So, and I, th- I think you're right, Lucy, and I, th- I think that, that neuroscience is really important in um, the development of products uh, mm. because before you could just ask people, you know, empirical data questions, you know, do you like this product? Yes, no. How much do you like it on the scale of one to ten and, mm. and why? Whereas now you've got neuroscience techniques in research that can give you almost a pre-verbal um, indication of how somebody feels about a product or service or whatever it is that you're you're selling, and that's really what they think. You know, we mm. we tend to when we're outside of our comfort zone, uh, which is outside of people that you know sort of that, that we love, we spend time with, that, you know, that we trust. Um, but if we're asked a question and we're in a place we don't consider ourselves to be fully safe or psychologically safe, uh, you know, either on a stage presenting or, mm-hmm. or in front of any group of people, we'll temper the answer to our question. We'll get that gut feeling, what we think about the product, the service, the person that we've been asked about. But we'll have a look around and think, oh, dare I say that? Mm. Mm, I can still get my points across, but if I temper it, uh, so yeah. this layered, yeah. so so this gut feeling, uh, you 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 think about and you change so it is acceptable mm. to the uh, the group around you because you know we always want to belong or mm-hmm. you know not to be excluded. Um, I think that's a, a primary uh, human fear is to be excluded. Um, so by using neuroscience techniques. Uh, in research, you know, that that actually gives you that real data. Yeah. So, you know, if someone really doesn't like your packaging or, or your packaging is not having the impact you think it is, that's going to tell you more than someone giving a, you know, a, you know, a five out of ten, I neither like it nor dislike it. Yeah. And yeah. people don't, when you do research, people say one thing, but they might, they might really believe that that's what they think. But the reality can sometimes be so different as well, can't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Your gut's always going to be your gut. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, whatever yeah. your gut tells you, uh, unless something significant happens that changes it, then uh, that's how you're always going to feel about that item. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really interesting. So tell us about what Food for Innovations does and what you do now. What do we do? What do we do? Well, we, we, um, we set the company up just about two years ago. And literally it was set up and then it was all oh, hello COVID. I mean, it, so it was one of those one of those moments. But in a way, that was really good because it's like we do cultural change through the process of innovation. And if ever there was a time when companies needed to to build a sustainable culture. Uh, it was during that time we all had to pivot. We all had to be innovative by working at home. And, yeah. You know, yeah. We're so used to tech these days that, you know, the, was it the, the past two years I think have been brought to us by you're on mute or, you yeah. know, <laughs> things like that. And um, we're so much more forgiving of tech as well these days because of COVID. We've become a lot more comfortable with it and we've become a lot more comfortable with other people mucking up 
you know, yeah. by being on mute or not getting being mm. able to get into the onto the whiteboard or, you know, their sticky notes way over there when somebody else's is where it's supposed to be. Do you know? So mm. and, I always think, you know, there was that example of um the BBC the guy on the BBC a few years ago that um was had the kids came in and he was like pushing them yeah. out of the way and every it was like scandalous <laughs> they and like dra- they dragged yeah, them yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> dragged them out and all of that. <laughs> and actually that's become much more acceptable now. You know, it's like, oh look this is my cat you know all of that yeah. has changed hasn't it it's, and, and you know what and then you know you, when your cat's been on once or twice you know people will ask about your cat yeah um yeah. and and it's the kind of stuff that when we used to all be in the office all the time that we would do around the water cooler mm. or you know mm. pictures of your kids or you know sort of you know where you've been on holiday or you know, something new you're wearing, or do you know, whatever, things like that, yeah, that kind yeah. of human connection. So yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for cats and kids and what the manner of interruptions happens on, <laughs> on Zoom calls and the like. Absolutely. Yeah. So so tell us more about food uh, food for innovations and, and what, because I know, because um, the other thing that I want to talk to you about, and we talked about um, with Simon when he came on, but that was two years ago. So, like, if new listeners won't know about the six eyes model as well, because you use yeah. that, don't you, within in the business? So, tell us about what you go into businesses and do, and and how you use the six eyes model. Okay, well, the we use the six eyes model. It's it's the official name, the six eyes of innovation. And what I liked about when I came on the NPD fundamentals course mm-hmm. was how they really nicely marry up. Um, and I didn't realise quite how well they married up. Just to um, to put you in the picture as well, I came on the NPD fundamentals course that you ran, and it was brilliant. Um, Thanks, Neil. Because <laughs> having, you know, Simon's had various jobs in retail throughout the years, and I've kind of heard it just in the background, mm-hmm. you know, about stage gate process this, and, and, and so it kind of almost vicariously... I've worked in the food industry and been aware yeah. of Stagegate, but it wasn't until I came on the course that I actually saw it in black and white, as it were, uh, and um, really got to understand what it means and why Simon in particular thought this model is great to apply to um, the food industry or mm-hmm. retail. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's absolutely right. So it, it's it's all about... You know, it kind of fits with the stage gate. You've got stage zero and stage one, which is like your discovery and scoping part of the stage gate process, which very much links with the first eye, which is identify, which is all about curiosity. It's all about opportunity. Uh, where are the gaps in the market? What opportunity have you noticed? And then stage gate two, where you, you're building the business case. Um, is kind of links very much with the ignite part of the six sides of innovation. Mm. So where you've got that mindset of creativity, these ideas and these solutions, how can how can we make what the opportunity we've spotted, how can we make it work for us in particular? A stage three and stage four, which are development and then is it test is testing and validation, I think. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, scale up, yeah. Um, so that's where you... He remembers, Lucy. Oh, yeah. He remembers Amazing. it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, listeners, you need to come on the MPD fund or you need to send yeah. people on this course because it obviously works. It, it does in. work. And, and, that, <laughs> and that's all about, you know, how you, you need to start looking at things critically mm-hmm. um, about how you can actually make them real, make make your ideas real in the world because, you know, until then it's just 
an idea. So through experimentation, through samples, through trials. So very much that investigate mindset of critical thinking where where it's it's got to stop being, I don't know, I'm going to use your aim, it's got to stop being Amy's idea mm-hmm. and it has to become the idea. Yeah? Yeah. So you can depersonalise it because people get very attached to their ideas. Mm-hmm. But if they want their ideas to be successful, it might not be them as the one that's pushing yeah. it on. It, they might need to hand over that baton in the relay to somebody else step back knowing that they've put it in the best possible hands yeah. um and then you know their idea has more chance of success um then you've got stage five which is launch and that's how the implementation process i always think of um stage three and four is if you're in a, um, a supermarket owned brand retailer that's your kitchen mm-hmm. where your chefs are creating what they're creating with your product developers uh, stage five, you're, you're scaling up, you're in the factory. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all about being committed despite challenges that, that will arise, you know, horizon scoping, managing any risks that are out there. And also it's your last chance saloon just in case that one thing's been missed. You know, you, you can still yeah. catch it before yeah. you hit the shelf. Um, and then stage six, the post-launch review which is very much like improve in the six eyes where you're it's that that feedback loop which i don't think should be left to the my my trouble with a post-launch review is the word post Mm -hmm. Uh, you should be reviewing as you go and this is why we think um food for innovations that whilst you can attach an eye to each of the stages you also need to whiz round it as you get to the gate uh, Mm -hmm. because that gate is kind of um it, it's it's where more ideas, evaluation, investigation can happen. It's where you're checking in with your stakeholder. You know, I'm about to go through this gate. Are you good? You know, yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. checking with them, checking that you've got them on board. Um, and and that's where you should be looking at the process improvement as well for for next time you go around around the process. But so the six eyes of peers, it's a circular model. But I've talked about you know identify, ignite, investigate. Implement and improve. Invest is something that happens at each stage, but they're all linked to purpose in the middle. And you've got to go via purpose before you can move on to the next stage because we only want to innovate things that are worth innovating. We don't want to innovate any old idea. Mm. And if you want to innovate any old idea, you will see it in the likes of B&M. Um, and places I, like that where you can find your strawberry Kit Kat just because I remember you, you saying that on the course and yeah. I was just like that is brilliant There's you know that you know should. if yeah. you want to yeah. see how not to do it go into B&M yeah. and see what they're selling cheap well that's it it's like loo roll loo brushes in the in the shape of a, a grizzly bear I mean like why it's like, <laughs> again just because you can doesn't mean you should so you know if something's linked and, and purpose I've also found that purpose is the antidote to um, disagreement mm. as well, because if you get your purpose right and you've got, regardless of everybody's profile on the six sides, because it does have a profiler that people can get, um, uh, well, profile too. Mm-hmm. Um, if everybody agrees on purpose and purpose is quite high level, then you have to, you can just point back to it each yeah. time, with, you know, the, people have great ideas I'm saying they need to pass the baton on to the investigators are going to make it real sometimes it can feel like passing it to someone who's just going to there with you know folded arms saying no that's not going to work and that's not you know it's kind of what they need to be able to do is to look to look at the idea 
in relation to purpose to see what's the best way of saying yes. It's not going to work the way you want it. However, what we've come up with is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I always I- remember somebody saying it's it's finding the best way to say yes always, which is not always just a straight yes. Yeah. And it this is so, I think you're so right that this is so closely linked with the stage gate process. And I've just been working on a project with a business. Um, and actually, Amy and I have also been doing something with a different business, quite sizable businesses looking at their stage gate process. And however good the process is, the people need to be engaged with it for it to really work. Mm. And this is what this is all about, isn't it? And we've mm-hmm. we've both said that actually the the business strategy needs to be clear. Like everybody in the business needs to be clear about what the business purpose is basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. before this can work. Because you're absolutely right, at each gate, sometimes people aren't going to agree and different stakeholders will have different opinions. But if you bring it back to the purpose and the strategy and why are we all here, then yeah. it does suddenly become a lot clearer. Absolutely. It's, it's like you say, it's the, the stage gate process is a process. And like there's a lot of other processes in business, in businesses, you know, for any like, you know, HR, IT, whatever, they'll all have their processes. And processes are written down somewhere. But then you've got, you've got, you know, we don't live, we don't live our life on paper. You know, yeah. people do not live on paper. They are real human beings who, um, you know, you've got the best laid plan there and you're absolutely certain it's going to work. And then it's, oh no, here comes a human. They're going to do something. <laughs> they're going to sit in the wrong place. They're going to press the wrong button. They're, yeah. you know, it, it, it's going to happen. So, um, so I think that's where you know being clear on how you communicate with people how you communicate the process that needs to be done because if i if i'm if i'm doing if if the three of us all had the same job we would all do it differently Mm -hmm. the company would still get what it required you know we'd keep it out of jail or we'd you know um um make sure that you know products were launched on time this that, and the other but we would have a different style yeah so it's it's accommodating that yeah, and I think there's. I, I think that is becoming more apparent. Well, not apparent. I think it's becoming more accepted that we have to be a bit more um, accepting of different people's ways of working. But I think it can be quite difficult in in some businesses where it's totally like this is the structure, this is the way we do things. Um, and I guess that's where stuff can break down can't it and miscommunication can happen because because even just communication styles isn't it it's just like I remember you telling me a story of you saying one thing and the other person hearing another (laughs) yeah drum roll please because we're thrilled to announce the much-awaited comeback of the MPD fundamentals course Yes, so if you missed out last time, don't worry. This is your chance to jump back in and gain the benefit of our experience and hindsight in MPD and innovation. Imagine having a course that guides you through every stage of the new product development process from the spark of an idea to a fully fledged product on the shelves. We dive deep into the stage gate process, which is a proven method used by industry leaders across the UK. But here's the best part. We're not overwhelming you. We know how busy you are. This course is designed in bite-sized chunks, making it easy for you to digest and put everything into practice. 
And by the end of the journey, you'll have all the tools to take your ideas and turn them into successful products. And it's not just about the technical stuff. We also focus on the essential soft skills that make a real difference and help you with the implementation of the process too. But there's also more. You'll have the chance to apply what you've learned in your real life role and make sure that newfound knowledge sticks. And then you have the opportunity to come to our live regular Q&As that mean that you can ask us any questions that you want about the process. So whether you're a food startup, you're a product developer, or you're in another supporting role within the food development space, this course is tailored just for you. And time's ticking. The doors will be closing soon. So seize this opportunity before it's gone. Join us as we reintroduce the MPD Fundamentals course by clicking the link to join. It's a class story about how it's, I mean, in... in, um, Excuse me, in NLP, we have one of the presuppositions of NLP is that the meaning of the communication is the response you get. So whatever you say, whatever comes back to you is what it meant. So I told Amy this story the other day. I I use it on all my training, and it's a corker. But I I was going on a training course, and it was in the Lake District, and it was in May. Um, now, Simon had been on exactly the same course one year before me, exactly the same place, exactly the same time. Now, it was my master practitioner of NLP. It was with the same company, so the same two trainers that I'd had my practitioner with, so I knew the trainers. Uh, and uh, there was going to be four people who were going forward to the master practitioner course that I already knew. And there's going to be three people that I didn't know. So that was the context. So there I am packing to go away. And um, all of a sudden, I just stood my head over the banister and shouted down. I said, will I be okay with just T-shirts? And the response came back. Yeah, you know everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was clearly in my head asking, am I going to be warm enough? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what it was understood as was, you know, some, you know, it is it's some level of is it acceptable? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's acceptable to wear t-shirts. Yeah. But you know, so so in, in if, the, if you just take you know that rather silly example, but look at it in the business context, that you might be in your head absolutely clear. You've told person X to do Y and Z, whereas person X might only do Z, might only do Y, or might, might mm. do A, B, C, because mm. that's what they've understood. Mm. So it's the importance of always checking that understanding. Yeah. And I have this thing where you've got, if you're interacting with one other person, you're responsible for 50% of the interaction, they're responsible for the other 50%, however you are responsible for 100% of your 50%. Yeah. So just because it's clear to you, it might not be clear to them. So... And, and you know, and if you're invested in the outcome, just mm. just take that extra moment yeah. just to yeah. make sure that they've understood what you've understood, and you and don't to. just say, "Did does that make sense?" I hear people say that all the time yeah. because the response you're always going to get to that is, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. You need to ask a question that checks the understanding, yeah, yeah. without patronising them, going, which I would do with my child. 
what did I say? How are you going to do it? It's, it's, you know, it's. I've just got to tell you a funny story about understanding (laughs) because this is a classic. This is my mum and dad. So this is years ago before, I don't even remember it, but this is just a family story. Um, It was Christmas time and mum had written a shopping list and my dad got back and was like, oh, I looked everywhere, but I just couldn't get enough rolls. Mum was like, what are you talking about? And my mum had written loo rolls oh. and my dad had tried to get 100 bread rolls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so even written communication isn't yeah, clear well, enough. That, that sums up my mum and dad, to be honest. No, that's brilliant. <laughs> but that, that, that is exactly it, isn't it? As soon as you said that, I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah, because one person can say something and it be completely misinterpreted by somebody else. I, I still, I still think that your dad there thinking, well, when does anybody ever want a hundred red rolls? I know, <laughs> particularly at Christmas. Very... Like, <laughs> <laughs> we've got a big family. Well, yeah, <laughs> not that big. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it's that it is. You know, it's the the miscommunication is very easy to happen, even you know verbally written down, yeah. lots mm-hmm. of lots of different ways. So, is that part of what you help uh, uh, businesses yeah. do? I know you've yeah. done some bit um, work recently with a big retailer on using this model, and that's right. We, stuff, we, yeah. we got them all um, profiled, and then we went in and we've done um, you know here are the results. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what they've done since is when they want to bring teams together to, you know, look at either a process um, um, that's pre-existing or whether they're an MPD, but to bring together people according to their profiles for the appropriate mm-hmm. part of the stage gate process mm-hmm. you know I mean, it's still you know but what people are still doing their jobs they're not asking the mpds to do technical or anything like yeah, that yeah. Know, it's like um but um you know in in there's a lot of people working technical who are very good at the ideation but mm-hmm. you know technical yeah. is kind of if you were mm-hmm. being um um not strict about yeah strict about it might be more in the investigate stage rather than the igniting idea mm. stage mm. but just because someone works you know has a penchant for science does not mean they you know maybe they're the, it, it stops groupthink as well you've got yeah. diversity of thought yeah um and that's that's always good because that's where we you know bouncing off each other connecting ideas that are seemingly disconnected someone's going to have a nugget somewhere yeah so yes yeah. yeah, so they 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 do that now um and what we also do is we go into company and again it's kind of going back to the communication piece here we because we deal a lot with innovation we demystify innovation that's the first thing we do mm-hmm. we we look at the word and we just you know take it apart um because it's a concept and a mm-hmm. concept is always going to be what it means to you yeah. Uh, you know, I if if I you know I I passed you an object, you know, like I don't know, you can see you know you you you're both wearing earphones. Um, they are earphones, and we all agree they're earphones, and they're always going to be earphones, and they're going to perform the function of earphones. And if you put them down and don't put, pick them up again for six months, they're still going to be earphones doing the same earphone thing. Innovation is not like that. You know, you can't 
you can't hold it, you can't touch it. Mm. It's I can't give you innovation, nor can you give it back to me or to each other. Mm. So we kind of, we kind of, um, you know, take the power out of the word because a lot of the time people will, will start a workshop with who here considers themselves to be innovative or an innovator. Mm. And you might get in a group of 20, maybe two, three hands gingerly going up. Um, so then we kind of demystify, we, we, we take it apart. Um, we just say it's a word and a word has power. So let's take the power away from the word. And we look upon it as, some, uh, as creating value out of a new idea that mm-hmm. you've had. And it, it could be a new idea that's brand new in the world to everybody like when chat gbt came out mm-hmm. or it could be how you've come across something for the first time that's already pre-existing uh, so that idea is new to you then how are you going to create value from it because only by creating because an idea is something that lives in your head and innovation is something where value is being created mm. um so what can you do to create that value and that value could be environmental it could be uh, financial commercial competitive it could be personal it could be community or social and uh, so we get people to to think about something they've done they're proud of either their current job previous job or or in their personal life Mm. and they write it on a sticky note and then we go and pick random ones up and um and then you know i pick one up once and it just said mince pie on it so so this is interesting so he wrote mince pie and then then you start get them to explain about um what it was and this was i think it was going to be the first gluten-free one or something so Mm -hmm. um so they created value uh for you know socially because there's some people who are gluten want to be gluten-free they can have a gluten-free mince pie now obviously that's got commercial and competitive uh value for the business um, and there would have been some personal value as well from having been involved in something with purpose. Mm. So because they've created value from an idea that's new to them, then they've innovated. Yeah. So when they hear the word innovation, they're not scared of it anymore because I do that. Mm. You know, we've had one, 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 one lady, and, and she's exactly the reason I do this, who all she did was bring data from different spreadsheets into one spreadsheet that saved people half an hour. Mm. Yeah, but that's all she done. And she never thought, well, I didn't think that was innovative. Well, you've created value. You've created value that, that nobody what, else has done. Yeah, That's yeah. what innovation is. It's not inventing the, the latest yeah. whiz bang. It's creating value. Mm. We create value all the time. Um, so, yeah, so, so demystifying, taking the power out of the word yeah. um, is, is a good way of, of looking at it. I think that's really helpful. And I think, you know, like you were talking about with if you have people from different functions that are involved, you know, understand their six eyes profile, but then understand that innovation isn't just MPD's job and isn't just about coming up with new product ideas, because let's be honest, that's MPD, not necessarily innovation, that it sort of helps to change the mindset of everybody in the business of it's okay to come up with new ideas like Mm. I don't want I'm not going to be treading on the toes of other people you know I've got an idea I'm going to put it forward yeah absolutely and 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 sometimes like the like the real you know far far out ideas are um are really good I I tell this story about ideas about how there's this airline that wanted to 
improve its cabin service. Um, and um, so, because that's all they're selling, really, mm. what, what's happened once you're inside the aeroplane. And so they got a team together and they, they, they briefed this team that we want to improve the cabin service, but we're going to give you a starting point. So we decided we're taking all the seats out of the cabins in all classes and we're going to put the seats on the wings and that's where people are going to fly from now on outside on the wings. And so everybody had, as I imagine people's faces are now, like, well, how can you, you know, you're going to fall off, you're going to freeze, <laughs> you're going to, it's not going to be safe. I mean, you're, you know, how are you going to have your tea on that little fold-down table, you know, and all this <laughs> thing, you know. So they said, okay, fine, fine, fine. But imagine all of those objections are irrelevant. It's absolutely safe. Nothing bad is going to happen. What do you get by sitting on the wing? And they started coming up with where you get a better view, you get fresher air, uh, there's a sense of more space and all of these lovely, lovely things. Mm. Um, And they said, great, now take all of those ideas and put them back in the cabin. Yeah. yeah, but without having putting the put the idea where it ought not to be, yeah, yeah, wouldn't have got something that is, yeah. um, you know, sort of. I don't know. It, it's kind it's of restricted. Yeah, yes. yeah, it unrestricts yeah. you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So still in the cabin, you'd be restricted by your cabin. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's almost it, it engages a different. I don't know if this is actually true from a neuroscience point of view, but it feels like it engages a different part of your brain, like a, a more imaginative part of your brain. Yeah, um, it's that, that thing, isn't it, where children like it, it takes you back to child where you're not restricted, basically, where children yeah. come up with like crazy ideas that. that well, I was adults. just thinking the bed that's behind me as we're recording is often an aeroplane because Holly turns it into an aeroplane <laughs> and she puts and she uses the big teddies for the captain and stuff like that. Yeah. Like we don't we do lose, that stuff, do we? Yeah, we yeah. lose that yeah. sense of play, don't we? It's like yeah. an aeroplane to me. You can tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's a very messy aeroplane at the moment with all the packing. Don't tell everybody. Don't tell everybody. <laughs> I don't normally record in my bedroom. We started the podcast from my from bedrooms, didn't we, in lockdown? But yeah, I don't normally did, record. Yeah. 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 So the other thing that we talked about, Neil, when we were chatting was, and I feel like this needs to be something that's got to be said out loud. Um, and this is t- totally selfishly from my point of view eh, as well. We've talked about some of the models and the all of the stuff that we can use that feel like like hard tangible things but and we've talked about the people bit a bit but but we were talking about the term soft skills and how people don't think soft skills are that important and it really really grates on me so I just want to get your viewpoint on that because it, yeah I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you it, it grates on me as well because it's the hardest I think people call it soft skills who aren't very good at it um, yeah. and and want to make it sound like it, it's not really what the business does. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's it's a business is, the, well, they're, they're your biggest asset. I mean, I just say, okay, if, if every member of your team went home today, and never came back in again, would your business exist? Mm, mm. Uh, you know, yes, yeah. you can recruit yeah. again, but really they're the ones that, that are your business. 
and a lot of the time they know more they know more about your business than you do or you can think about you know when you've got particularly big retailers you've got the you know the the customer service um, department and you'll Mm -hmm. have stuff that gets reported at um, you know senior management about we've had x amount of complaints about xyz and so on um that's just that's again that's numbers in spreadsheets it's it's data what the people who work for you your 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 soft skill your people your Mm. organic beings they're the ones on the front line they can tell managers more about their business than the manager generally know because they're not just hearing the complaint they're hearing how the complaint was delivered yeah they're hearing they're hearing the upset or the anger or you know the disappointment or whatever it is they're hearing the emotion that goes with it mm. um so um yeah they 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 absolutely need looking after um and yeah your absolute biggest asset and and you know they are i can't think i just can't think how to say it better they with, like I say, without them, there is no business. Yeah, yeah. So to, to uh, you know, if anybody says soft skills, it's, you know, you can write every other part of your business, you can have a manual for. You, know? yeah. you can have a manual how to do HR. You can have a manual how to, you know, sort of with your, you know, your, your slave, modern slavery policy, your data protection policy, you know, all of this, how you do your numbers has to be in a certain way for yeah. Um, yeah. auditors and so on. Absolutely, a manual by the by the book, but um, that humans, it's that we don't work like that. Yeah, yeah, and and what I see in a lot of manufacturers, I don't know if this is true of retailers as well, but what I see in a lot of manufacturers is that all of the um, focus on learning and development and training is on the compliance and is on the you know yeah. how we tick the boxes and stuff like that and then the oh how do people interact with people and how can we help them with the tools to so that is kind of always the bottom of the list and I think that's got to change because actually yes obviously you, you've got to do the compliance bits like absolutely but if you've got an unmotivated person that does can't communicate and doesn't understand um, for for whatever reason or misunderstand something, you're still going to get the non-compliance issues because of that miscommunication. So you know it's it's sort yeah. of like and it comes and egg, down to le- learning style as well. There's there's four <clears throat> four distinct learning styles that this um, lady who was she was a kindergarten teacher in the US and has since gone on to become the foremost uh, light on educational um, um, theory. And she, they, she calls it the why, what, how, and what if quadrants. And the why is people who need to know why they're doing something is approximately 33% of any given population. So if you're just asking somebody to do something, you're just giving mm. them a task uh, and they'll do the task. Uh, if they're a why learner, though, they'll want to know why they're doing it. I mm. didn't realize until very late in life I was a why learner. And I, I went to university and I did my A-levels and I did all, I didn't know why I was doing them. It, it was mm. just the next stage and mm. yeah. it went on. Yeah. Um, but unless you explain your why, you're going to lose 33% of your audience. So this, you know, this is what I'd like you to do and this is why we're doing it. Mm. is mm-hmm. a lot different from this is what I want you to do. Mm. Because then they can, you know, they can still do it, but they might have a better way of doing it yeah. or come yeah. up with something. Um, and then you, you know, your what, your what learners, they don't need to know the why. For them, it's absolutely obvious already. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. they can just mm-hmm. go on with it. Uh, and your how learners, they 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 just, they just want to get on with it. Just like I don't need to know about the concepts or the principles of it. Let me get my hands on it. You know, sort of get stuck in, stuck mm-hmm. in. Um, and then the what ifers are. Hmm, once if we did it this way or that way or the, how they might mm. optimize it into another mm. another area it's a bit like if you get stuck on your powerpoint you know when we're all back in the office if somebody just told me if with a problem oh this is what you need to do click there click there i can't do it if mm. they come and show me even literally i what i'm what i'm they're, they're over me and i'm i'm watching where they're pressing mm. and i've learned i'm mm. fine but I can't. Uh, I can't read a manual. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And what's what's that? What is that called? Who is she, and where can it's, we find out more it's about that? Called it. She, her name is Bernice McCarthy, and the um, the um, it, and it's called Format. Four is in num the number four, M A T. Hmm. I'm going to have a look at that. That's really interesting. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes for anybody yeah. listening it, as well. It's, it's good, especially for if you've, you know, if you've got kids, because mm. uh, yeah. they can think about the, because that's how they do it in the US now. But to think about if you are just telling your kids to do something, do they know why you're telling them to do mm. it? Or yeah. just, yeah. uh, because they, they might be why learners. And yeah. you know, oh, God. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Why? Why can't you do it? Is usually what I do. <laughs> well, thank you, um, Neil, for coming today because I feel like we've covered loads of different things, but yeah. it's been really um, great to hear about how you've, you know, you've taken taken a, a different path to a lot of people, uh, you know, that might be listening, um, but how you have taken and develop those skills that you have got inherently that you didn't know mm-hmm. those people being a people person thing that you were told many years ago but actually translating that into helping other people and other businesses within the food industry is really really interesting and i uh, and i know that there's going to be people that are going to want to get in touch and hear more about six eyes and what you do um so what's the best way for them to get in touch with you uh, I guess, oh, well, there's the website is foodforinnovations.com where uh, you might put it in the notes because there's a four and an eight in innovation. We'll <laughs> so, put it in the show notes, yeah. <laughs> show notes. <laughs> Which is why I messed up the intro because I was like, I'm yeah. going to say it wrong. So many numbers. <laughs> so that, and, you know, I'm, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn and, uh, and uh, Food for Innovations has a page on LinkedIn as well. And there's, I think our email addresses are on there somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, so, we usually just direct yeah. people to LinkedIn because it's yeah. like we're all, we're all on. All our friends are on LinkedIn. That's it. That's <laughs> where so we meet everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so well, thank you thank so you. much, Neil. It's been a great conversation. I, I, you know, it's been it's been good fun. Uh, I think it is the best podcast thing I've done. So yeah. oh, oh, fabulous! Thank you. Oh, that's well, great. I, was, I like hear. the I like the fluidity. Because like yeah. so some of them can be, we're going to ask you this, this, this. Oh this. yeah, no, we yeah. like to be nice and relaxed. We just want it to be a normal conversation that we just <laughs> yeah. share with everybody else, basically. <laughs> but you said the same to us about um, the MPD fundamentals course. How you liked we just bounced off each other when we're delivering the course, as opposed to like reading a script. It's just mm-hmm. you know, like in real life. Yeah, like yeah. real life, life people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. 
so um thank you so much for being part of that conversation and um yeah we will see you next time listeners see you next time thank you for joining us today and we hope that this has been useful to you as ever we would love it if you could rate and review the podcast on your podcast app it really does help us reach and support more foodies out there We'd also love it if you'd come and join us in the Facebook group, the Over Food Sake community. And if you want to get in touch with us personally, Lucy is available for consultancy advice and training and can be found on LinkedIn as Lucy Wager. And if you want to reach out to Amy for any one-to-one coaching, group facilitation or training, then contact her on LinkedIn at Amy Wilkinson Coach. Thanks for listening and see you next time. See you next time. podcast is sponsored by Damo Ingredients, who provide best-in-class functional ingredients such as starches, proteins, fibres and gums, to name but a few, into food manufacturers across the UK and Ireland. I've worked with Damo on various projects for my own brand and with my clients, and what I love about working with them is their in-depth technical knowledge and their ability to apply that to the specific products that you're actually working on. So they become an extension to your own development team, supporting them with their knowledge from concept through to launch. To find out more, visit www.dama.com.